Okay. So today, welcome again, guys, to the Raised Hunting Podcast. And we're going to – it's a cool day. I mean, cool day both in uh, a sense of the weather and a cool day because tomorrow is opening day for us here in Iowa. And we're all, like, a little extra um, jacked about it, I guess. So things are blurted out of Easton's mouth that shouldn't be. And, and Warren's just high-strung all the time and stubborn as an ox. So – We've tried to come up with some ideas on what we wanted to talk about today, and we're going to talk about Deer IQ because that's what he wants to talk about, all right? We all tried to give in. It's what the people have asked for. Yeah, we well, I will agree with you there that we have had a lot of comments. People wrote in and said, um, how smart do we think deer are? Are they doing this, doing that? Um, So anyhow, we're going to tackle some of that and see what we think. So um, without waiting anymore, let's talk about that. So... Deer IQ. So how smart? The brain is only about that big around. I hope you kill a 169. Oh, and so <laughs> I didn't even say what I want to say. <laughs> you know, you know what score- it is like to have you as a brother? Yeah, you let me score it. We'll make sure of that. You hear me? It's pretty freaking awesome. No, it's like it's like having a wife. And the reason oh, being... Oh, he better not be it kissing might, me when I'm sleeping. It might stuff, be easier sometimes to just let him... Let them talk about what they want to talk about. Otherwise, they just <laughs> complain and complain and complain. So today, we're going to talk about How would spoken, you like, a, spoken like someone that doesn't have a wife, though. I mean, yeah, I have never been married. You're pretty right. fortunate. Ninety-seven yeah. percent of our audience is males. <laughs> okay, so I think let's discuss first. Then, so what are the most common? So, dear IQ. What I think that this is being attributed to is that there's a, a lot of people that are putting out a lot of content that. Basically, you're just stating that deer are exceptionally smart, that they are only one that a big buck will never move with the wind in his face. He'll only will move with the wind in his back, that they will only enter food plots in certain ways, that they'll only do this, they'll only do that, that you'll never see a buck when he's doing this, uh, that just like things to me that it would seem as though they would have to have the brain capacity of a human for that to be true. So I think let's discuss... What, how smart do we think deer are? Well, I mean, I would, would agree with you made one one thing that I see. It seems like everyone wants to, st- to state that the older the buck gets, the smarter they get, which would tend to be true because as experience grows into them, they especially if they have more human interaction and things like that, they learn from experience. However, I've also met some deer – um, and I, when I say met them, I mean, I've been close to them, could have killed them that were pretty dumb and they were dumb at two. They were dumb at three. They were even dumber at four or five. Um, so I don't agree that all of them always do X. So let's just take a public, <clears throat> let's take a public land deer that's getting heavily pressured then. He's going to be he, smarter. If he makes, yeah, he probably is. He probably is Definitely. smarter, but now let's talk about how smart is he? I think that it is a general consensus or general, if you take out, uh, genetic anomalies or things that are whether it's like an enhanced buck that's tends to be smarter. Your or Albert a, or, Einstein or, of deer, or yeah, or a mentally incapable deer. <laughs> okay, okay. You take those out and you, you take what you're at. That's walking up to like this. This is that's almost as bad as me cussing. Okay. Anyways, you take your average deer. Your average intelligence level, in my opinion, they're only going to be as smart as you allow them to be. And what I mean by that is we always say, don't do this, don't do that, because you're going to educate. You're going to educate. You're going to educate all those things. And what I 
my theory, or I guess opinion is on that, is that a deer that is six, that has never had to have any hardships or pressure or anything, probably doesn't have to be very smart. And probably isn't going to be very smart because they're just going to live and survive. They don't have to worry about people. As opposed to a deer that's been pressured since it was a pawn is probably going to, and then what I'm thinking, like Bullwinkle, we talk about him all the time with how smart he was. That deer, we trained him to be that smart. Same with Ralph, and not necessarily us, but one of our very good friends. Well, we should. Now you're stealing my theory, though. Yeah, but we just. We should. We should. People won't understand what we're talking about there. So, what happened was we had a farm that we hunted, brand new, never hunted it before. We were hunting around our house and some other places at the time. This farm was a little farther away. Friend of Warren's, and at the time, it was just a friend of yours. I offered for him to be able to hunt the farm and keep an eye on it and check cameras for me and tell me what's going on because I didn't know how much I'd get there. What we didn't know was the gentleman that was hunting it didn't know that much about hunting (laughs) until we started hearing some of the conversations such as doe urine and sitting downwind on purpose. Which was actually the correct wind. Right, but he didn't even understand what (laughs) downwind meant, so he was... He understood what downwind meant. He just didn't understand the direction of the wind. Which direction, exactly. He's the reason Weather Channel puts arrows on the wind hourly now. Right. (laughs) Okay. So, with him doing that, we ended up hunting a couple deer that turned out that they died. One of them died of old age. Bullwinkle was seven or eight when you killed him. Eight. Eight. Um, And those deer were exceptionally smart meaning we all got picked off in places where I feel like we typically would not have been picked off. We should have killed those deer. Well, Bullwinkle just wouldn't he show just, up. Yeah. He was figuring us out before we even got to the stand. Ralph had a neck problem where he just walked around with his staring at the trees all the time. On private ground with only three or four people hunting this chunk of ground, us. Yeah, I do believe that Ralph, I, I do honestly believe that, so this is a, Maybe he was an Albert Einstein. Maybe they can learn more than we think. I 100% believe that the hill stand, mm-hmm. that he knew that that was there. So as what happened, I had an encounter, and maybe we'll even throw this clip in there, where I was trying to kill this deer we call Ralph, and we, you'd run into him, and I think maybe you'd had an encounter with him too. No, in no, this me, one it was me and specific, him together. Yeah, that's right. In this one spot we were, where um, we'd run into him, I ran into him the night before and saw him and then – Went back and hunted a separate stand in the next morning. Didn't bump him or anything. He had no idea we were there that the previous night. Well, the next morning, we get set up. We're in the stand, and uh, I was putting my – I put just put my bow on the hook or something, and I looked to my left. I could hear a deer, and I see Ralph, and his head is down. I knew for a fact he wasn't looking at us, and then I was, like, extra cautious because I know how he just picked – he just picked you guys off the year before. That's what yeah. it was. And so I knew that this deer had done this before. And so then is what I, I told Drew. I just said, Drew, Ralph. And I was watching him the whole time. And he never, he did not hear me. I know for a fact that he didn't hear you me. You were watching Ralph or Drew? I was watching Ralph. Okay. <laughs> because I, I thought the same thing. I thought he was watching <laughs> yeah. Drew. No, like, I did. Didn't... I was doing the lip thing, you know, like, hey, Drew. You know? <laughs> uh, but anyways, so I, I watched him the whole time and told Drew and was able to see Drew enough out of the corner of my eye that I know he didn't move. And he takes another three steps and then just looks right up in the stand. Pegs us, runs off down the hill. And I don't, and I think we just put that stand there and it was a ladder stand. So the only thing that I could figure is that he had gotten, had busted my buddy or somebody so many times 
that he'd learned to look up in those and then would just take note of where they were. I, I, That's I the mean, only thing I could ever figure with that. Well, the, re- the way you can validate that somewhat would be with the fact that that was one farm and we had those issues and everything going on and now it's been however long and we haven't had nearly as many issues with deer like that. And then all the other places we were hunting, we, we've hunted for years and not had this single issue. So either the genetics on that farm specifically are insane or they got educated. And in my Super opinion, educated, that shows yeah. that they got educated and that's why they're so smart, not just because they're a smart deer. Right. And and Ralph was um, for sure, now whether he picked, you know, it's hard to say though. I've had deer that have looked at me in a tree when I was like not moving or whatever. Do you see them coming? You never stand up or something like that. We try to give people all kinds of little tips, stay against the tree. He'd you know? done it before that. Right. Oh, I, I, I'm getting there, but I guess my point is I want to make sure that people understand we know we are preachers of, number one, putting our stands in multiple trees, like a cluster of trees where there's no outline. Um, we're where also, you have cover, at least. Yeah, we're, or, <clears throat> or folding your seat up and leaning against a tree. Being a part of that tree, that seems to be one of the number one ways of not getting picked off in the stand, as opposed to, and you guys did a video one day, where you stood out on the stand with a gap between you, a foot or two feet between you and the tree, and then you're a dude. Yeah, you're a you're, person standing there, and they can see that. At the that. very least, it doesn't look right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, understanding that, you know, now... In some places, I would say that the ladder can play a role. In that particular instance, I could say that one could play a big role because there was three or four trails that came through there, and he was walking down the one that led right to the ladder. Yep. And, and what so, I think what you're talking about there is that I've had a lot of deer before where they'll come up to the ladder, they'll get real close, and then all of a sudden they'll, they'll they go. They follow it up. Yep, because just your eyeballs are just straight lines like that in the woods. You're just... It's just natural. It stands, right. It's not natural. It stands out. Well, that's what I'm saying. But it's natural for your eyes uh, yeah. to follow those but, straight and, lines. And I up. know we've discussed this one before. So was Ralph, was he learning? 100%. And I think that we definitely had someone that helped educate him. Because the day that he caught Easton and I was another situation where he's asking me, did you move or anything? And I'm against the tree. Well, we had GoPro footage. We right, did. We had a whole GoPro. Because you were blaming him for moving. Right. And and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, he same thing. He was walking, coming to a grunt call. And he and he wasn't coming to the grunt call like he heard where exactly it was. He was looking for it. And you he guys was, had grunted at him? We did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he, that. He was walking up the ridge, and Easton had to, had to grunt at him. And then he turned and peeled and came around. And then he, but, he, but at the point, my point is, is he was within range before he ever looked at it. As if he had turned broadside... Easton possibly could have shot him right there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, for no reason whatsoever, he just went. And that up. was at a point where he was like 30-some feet below us because we were yeah. right now like a creek edge. So when he got in the bottom of the creek, he's way below the stand. Right. So, I mean. He was still killable, though. I almost I almost killed him. I sh- for he sure. wasn't killable, I, though, I because was, you didn't kill him. Yeah, but I would have killed him one day if my cameraman moved, and that's what saved him otherwise i'd have shot him at 15 yards but uh i could have shot him without antlers well let's let's go to the other realm though let's talk more in general because i know we were talking about this before we started and that is this whole thing about deer always walking into the wind yeah because if that were true then we would big deer always walking into the wind. yeah and and i it's just not true 
I mean, it's not true during the rut when, when they get freaked out and they're chasing does. They All caution goes to the wind at times. Um, and then it's not true. There's just, if you get an east wind for, or let's say a west, we live in Iowa, so let's say we have a west wind at eight miles an hour for four days. Every deer we have is now going to live in Kansas or Nebraska or somewhere <laughs> like that because they got to keep walking west. I mean, they're walking with their nose into the wind. So, well, and, and I've there's guys that are emphatic about it, like that you will never catch a big buck with the wind at his back. Well, Easton just got a picture of a deer the other day. That's a big buck. And what was the wind like? And this it was southeast, and he was going northwest. He's going northwest, yeah. Going what deer are you talking about? The big heavy one. What, my shooter? Yeah. Yeah, he was going east, and the wind was southeast. Yeah, so he was going into the wind. <laughs> no, he, he was, wasn't. He was going against the wind. He was the going wind north. is out of the southeast. Oh, not no, it's not. That deer, the one in the bottom. I yeah, know, I didn't see the, the freak. Picture. Yes, I'm we telling you, at the right? Wind. I'm telling you, the wind was southeast because I said it's southeast for this entire week, and that's the only wind I can't hunt this deer in this stand. And yeah, he was walking along the trail that runs east, east and west, and he was going straight east. It was a northwest wind. No, it wasn't. We haven't had a northwest wind all week. It was the day week. before. Remember, that's what we looked at was the wind before. We looked at it. We sat there, and we had this exact okay, discussion. Okay, well, it don't matter because, I mean, I don't need his deer to tell me that I'm not, I've seen enough deer that were walking with the wind at their back. Um, I mean, not that they make make it common a common approach that would get them killed. But well, you got to, if you're going to say approach, you have to identify the fact that they know there's something they're approaching. If they don't know you're there, have any idea you're there, they're not going to take the time to do a circle, to get downwind, to do any of these other things to approach an area. Well, I Unless they sense danger. One would be the fact that I've watched, I don't know how many deer walk into what we call our north field. That That's a food plot that I have. It's about a one-acre food plot. And I have watched deer come in, and in a morning, I've seen as many as 6 to 10, sometimes 15 bucks enter that food plot. And I've seen them come from the north, the south, the east, the west didn't matter and the wind wasn't like making a circle it was going one way oh yeah but they're you know? gonna say big bucks yeah but so I like say, let's so um so let's so here's the thing something that doesn't make sense which i want to look at your deer again because i'm telling you we looked at that and discussed it the only thing I would be is if i if i if you said it was a northwest wind on that on sunday but i i'm saying that this whole week has been southeast i know but it wasn't it wasn't southeast yeah, that's whatever what the picture was remember we looked up the, the I wind remember the you day talking to me about it yeah but he's walking east if it was a northwest wind it completely debunks the theory but i don't know what it was that day what debunked it then that's what made me think about it yeah i know um so anyways though but i think you'll hear a lot of these guys that are big buck killers or that um or they say that the best time to kill a big buck is in late october which is before they really get stupid. Oh yeah, I, right. I, I agree with that. I mean, but I, I do too. But I think if you applied some of these theories that they don't ever travel with the wind not right in their face, that they are another one that I've heard people saying is that they are like circling food plots before that they enter them, or they're circling their bedding area and scent checking everything before they go and they bed that in that area. Then how would you ever kill these deer, especially during that time period? Well, and if they're making a circle, then at some point they're walking with their, their – they can't keep the wind in their face that whole time. They can't make that um, – I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd have to see some of Unless these. they just said they're going to do a parallel line long enough or something that they're able to 
check a certain amount of. So that's what I just can't imagine a deer is going that. I I don't even know where that detailed comes from because I've watched enough deer come from the trees where you can see them coming from plenty of ways away, and walk straight into a food plot. And they they aren't acting like they're going to go well, do you a gotta, circle. You got to keep in mind you got to do big bucks. That's what everyone's going to argue with. I've it's seen big bucks big do buck. the same thing. Well, the I do. That's what I'm saying is I feel as though that everybody is way overcomplicating hunting. I think that guys are trying to make it more interesting or something that it's not, and so they've got to try to make some science out of everything. And sometimes I think that a deer just needs to eat. He is horny or he needs to drink or he's going to go bed somewhere. And it's that simple. Figure out what he's doing, at least something close, and then be there And at the time it's going to happen. They're not doing these J-hooks all the time, and they're not – they're not sitting there calculating your every move. Yes, there's some deer out there that are super smart, but at the same time, the majority of them are not that smart. Because like we discussed, from from what I've heard a lot of these guys say, most deer would be passing the intellectual ability of 90% of humans. And I don't know if hunters, us included, are the smartest people either. We'd never be killing anything. We'd be a bunch of Neanderthals running around trying to figure out the formula of deer. <laughs> My redneck IQ ain't doing it. Well, Neanderthals were killing stuff too, so and I don't think that they had J hook theories and Well here's they really figured it out so they could get in spearing distance. Well, no here, here's the thing is I I mean, if educating I when we talk about, you know, I'm an educator. I, and I do it on purpose. And I spend a lot of time around my farms where I hunt and I go in and I check cameras and I drive a UTV around and I'm banging off of this and that. And I try to treat it just like I am a, a like the farmer. And, and, and I'll use yesterday, day before yesterday, um, the farmer was actually mowing hay at my place. And now I had photos of him mowing the hay and there was no deer in the field. 30 minutes after he was gone, they were there. And then I came down because I didn't know that he had been in there. And then I saw he mowed, so I went down to check on and see what was going on. As I drive down in there, there's 15, 20 deer standing in this alfalfa field. They couldn't have left completely when that was happening. And they didn't leave completely when I went down there. They moved off, but they don't. But, but the other thing is, and I talk about educating them, is I wasn't a threat to them. I wasn't, like, getting out and walking around. I didn't have Dan chasing them or anything like that. And... So, therefore, I think they get used to, okay, people are around, you know. And how many deer, we just ran into a doe the other day when we were checking cameras on a different farm that didn't pay any attention to us. Wind was blowing. I think you put that video out, didn't you, on social media or not yet? No, not yet. Because we walked within, what, 15, 16 yards of that deer? Yeah. And she didn't. talking normal. Yep. And had Dan. Yes. And she was watching us and keeping an eye on us, but she wasn't too worried. And, and and I would go as much to say as people who give big bucks credit, you better give does even as much credit, if not more. I think there's some does out there that are way smarter than the bucks. Floppy tongue. That would be one for sure. You know? Yeah, she's a wizard. But but some of these does are, I mean, especially the older does that have had more experience, they'll just stay <laughs> away. What are you laughing at? I was just thinking of, of floppy tongue eating the... A food block right now. <laughs> what an idiot. I'm glad he amused Just imagine himself. that. Just <laughs> I still don't understand how she eats. I don't know how she eats, but she's been alive for, what, six, seven years? <laughs> that is a funny, 
individual. Goodness gracious. At least five. Well, but people aren't going to know what she – you'd have to see a, a trail well, camera photo. Maybe we'll just show you one because we have plenty of her. But this deer, we don't know if she got her jaw shot when she was young or just grew that way because there's nothing that you can see, but her tongue hangs out all the time. It's never in her head. And so we named her Floppy Tongue. And I I told you I have a picture of and another she's one. she's a royal beep. Yeah. She just sits. She you have another floppy you. tongue? Easton passed her, actually. Completely. I forgot about that. I can't Easton could have killed her. Oh, I can't remember where it was at, but on a completely different farm, um, I've got one that's doing the same thing. Yeah, I remember. I saw I that. I don't remember where it was at. So That's always fun. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I don't. Uh, I think the deer, well, you got to give them some credit for being smart, just animals in general. Oh, they got to live For the day. fact of they know to move, they know to get out of most of them know to move if they get too pressured, if they're getting edgy or like getting bumped by people or threatened. And what you can take as a very easy example is national parks because they take, they, they know very well that if they step off of the national park, they can, they can get shot. And that's, they live in national parks because they know that there's nothing that can happen to them there. That's a really interesting point because Sam was telling us that. So we had a buddy that just uh, drew a buffalo tag and killed his buffalo, and he said they'd worn a trail, like that you have to hunt the line because the bison know exactly where the line is, and they so only during the rut when they get all crazy that they come across the line, and then you got to shoot them on your side, like you're hunting the like it's like a. Like, they know exactly where it is. Yeah, he said every day, that's what you do, is you go up that line and back down that line, and you're hoping to see one on the other side. And all he has to be is just one step on the other side of the line, and he's fair game. And I think he said it took, what, eight days? Yeah, it took him a while. It took it like eight days before one finally stepped across, but it was following a cow. Yeah. But that's my point is they they learn. They're obviously learning as they're living and living life and doing whatever, but – I would think I I would think your big public land bucks, your big deer, your your big public land bucks that are f- like probably four, five, six, those deer are probably pretty smart. Because Maybe. every time that they run into a human being, it's not good. You know, yeah. they feel like something, someone is threatening them, shooting at them, whether it's with a gun, with a bow. Um, well, every, every time, you know, and and I mean sometimes squirrel hunters, bird hunters, turkey hunters, everything. I mean. Just it's and it's random. That's what got. I mean, you never know when someone. Where I, my deer probably have a pretty good idea what my pattern is. They know when I take Dan for a walk and things like that. Because Karen and I do it at the same time, roughly. Yeah. But let's those let's, people. So those deer would have to be pretty intentional about their movements, though. I would Absolutely. almost argue that they're stupid. Then, granted, they're smart because they're living. But the reason I'm saying they're stupid is because if they're getting pressured that much, go somewhere else. Yeah, but they may Why stay in somewhere where it's not safe for you hardly ever? At the, but at the same time, you never know where when they do try to go somewhere else. There's another big buck that keeps them from going there. Um, you know, different things that happen to do. I feel like one of the best times to kill a big buck is when he gets run out of somewhere. Meaning, and and I'll talk about like whether when when our neighbor cuts his corn, you can't ask for a better day to hunt. Yeah. Because when he cuts that corn, all of a sudden all those deer that were living in that corn get moved, and it takes them a day or two to figure out, okay, wait a minute, we all just got pushed over here. And I'll use the – was what, three or four years ago when I shot the three does all in the same day. And the last doe that I shot, there's 15 different deer. And this is not in a food plot. It's just in the timber. 
that's how many deer had been pushed out of it's a big field that he's you know that he's cutting corn on but it pushed those deer out of there people that um i know a gentleman that's hunting a deer and and i won't mention who he is or where it is because um he's hunting a really big deer and this really big deer lives on a place that gets bird hunted and he knows he has up until the bird why not? He posts it all over Facebook all the well, time. Well, but we're not going to do that. So, but but it gets hunted really hard, and so when it gets hunted, then the deer leaves. You know, when the, not deer hunted, it's bird hunted, and that runs them out of there. But that brings up something that another one that I hear people say is, "Big buck, you jump him out of his bed, and he won't come back." See, that's what I don't understand is that there's all these theories about how smart and how dumb, whatever, how whatever their IQ is for a deer. Dan, knock it off, dogs. A lot of places, they'll they're saying that they'll leave. They get busted, they'll leave, be done, not coming back. What the heck was that? It's him growling. He must think something's. Um, and then like public places, if they're living there, why? If they're gonna keep getting busted, and it sounds a lot of people say that you bust them once, they're gone, or at least for a while. Why isn't that happening on public? Well, I think so. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I think this is an. I think this is actually a really interesting topic, because I would argue now that before I was terrified to ever bump a deer, and I will. I will also state though that I think there's certain places I'm a lot more nervous about bumping a deer than others. Um, like some of our farms, uh, compared to other ones, I feel as though there's they they don't tolerate it as much. Well, we but, we we recognize those and we treat those areas like sanctuaries we don't go in there yeah but it, my I guess my point is i think you can bump a deer a couple times and he's and he will come back even your big ones now i now that is so then that's that begs the question at what point does he say okay this isn't worth it for me anymore or is he willing to be bumped and and as long as he didn't feel threatened you know because the farmer bumps him or whatever not a big deal he runs however far and then he just goes about his day or is there a certain what at what point does he say okay this isn't safe and i'm going to move and live somewhere else how many times can you get away with that or is it if you bump him in his bedroom where he does feel comfortable now he's now he's nervous about it well to to the, i guess to take the side of the guys who think that big deer are so smart we've had one deer and he was a big deer he was a mature deer that pulled the Houdini act and I think he did it because of us and that's Bullwinkle because but I also think that it was a rare occasion which we didn't know at the time that he ran into two hunters on the same day within 20 minutes of each other and he knew both hunters were there and smelled both and smelled both and that was enough to freak him out to say I'm leaving this farm for now and the reason that I feel pretty confident that I can say that is we had enough cameras on there we've had we had them there years prior and years after, and we always would get a photo of him at some point, whether it was during the rut or whatever. And it was nine months from the time that we bumped him until he finally showed back up. Yeah. You said he was alive. I argued with that, that he was dead. Right. I thought he was dead. But I, it was too much of a coincidence that he that we didn't see him after that because then we found out that the, uh, the neighbor had run into him. Yeah. And so that's when I was like, he just left because yeah. then I felt like he was big enough deer that we would have heard about him if someone killed him. Right. I think some are really smart. I think some are really sensitive, but I do think that people, I think for the majority of them, they are over-exaggerating the, how smart they really are. I think that, that they're going a little bit too, uh, 
too in depth on all of these things these that these bucks are taking into consideration before they do anything. I mean, if they did, if they do all that before they enter a food source, a lot of them, I think, are they plan their day way better than most humans. I, I, but I, they do learn. So yeah, they don't, learn. You know, and so don't do the same things over and over again, or you're going to get yourself in trouble. And the reason that I will say that I'm quite confident, and it, this is not just mature deer, I believe that the deer in Iowa subject to being pushed by other hunters in multi if you live in an area where they're pushing we've seen deer that have figured that out oh yeah at like by three years old if they can make it to three a lot of times i think those deer have a good chance of making it on farther yep because i agree with that 100 th- those three-year-old deer they've now been through it once twice second time or third time and now it's like, okay, wait a minute. And, and the reason I say that is we've had places where we knew pushing was going on. Either we physically saw it, watched it, and yet we had trail camera photos of deer doing their normal stuff in the middle of the day. We also know. have but bucks that would show up for that. Season. I was going to say, they also learn where the safe places are during Absolutely. those times. And they, like, your your house blows up because yep. everywhere around it is getting pushed. Yep. And it's, they're untouched there. I've yep. also they seen deer that. do that on bushes where they are getting pushed from a long ways away, and they'll go run right through stuff that you would say that's perfect stuff for them to hide in and, and go right past that to go to somewhere where they know it's safe. It's safe, yeah. Now, I do think that there is occasionally they, they get pushed into an area like I was talking about, and they're in a, an unfamiliar environment, and now they're subject to get whacked. And the one I'll think about, Easton, is when you and I saw the big 180-some-inch deer go across the road the one day during oh, shotgun yeah. season. He was killed the next day. And I don't believe that deer lived there. I believe that deer, we, we saw him because we saw him at like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Mid-morning. Mid-morning, yeah. mid-day kind of thing. And he when he went across the road, tongue hanging out, you know, no, there wasn't like guys right there pushing. Well, that's probably, I mean, you're probably asking for a slaughter if you got a place where it hasn't been pushed in several years and the deer have all learned that. And then for whatever reason, something changes where it is going to get pushed. Those deer probably have no idea it's coming. So just like you're saying. So could a hunter take that though? And I and I believe you can. And I believe I've done it. I, I I've done it more with elk. And you take what all the hunters are doing and you do something different. And and if you do it correctly, instead of like the guys going in to push a piece of ground, they're doing it correctly. But we're talking about pushing them out. I'm talking about that guy that's hunting public ground, and everyone thinks you got to go as deep as you possibly can. Don't hesitate to look at that place that's right next to the parking area that nobody's walked through all year long. Yep. Because they don't they don't think that, you know, they're like it's too close. Cars. One of my first buck that I that I killed with my bow was on a um behind a, a gun range. And that people were shooting there. And when I asked the guy, when I said, Hey, I want to, I mean, that wasn't that close. It's not like yeah, I was the down only by. person willing to dodge bullets in the tree stand. If I thought I could kill a good deer, I would have, but I didn't have to hunt that close. I was far enough back. But my point is when I did ask the guy, when I said, I told him where I wanted to hunt, he's like, you know, that's a gun range. And I was like, yeah. And I said, but it's also 160 or 190 acres. And I was like, I can go on the backside and be safe. And he's like, yeah, you're, for sure, there's, it's all treed. And it wasn't, took about three years of me killing a buck every year, a brand new kid, 16, 17 years old with a bow and arrow, for all of a sudden other guys that were hunting around there were like, hang on, what the heck's this kid doing? You know, how's he finding this? And and they weren't hunting it because they assumed that all the banging and everything was going to 
get you know run all the deer out of there, and they were there. They didn't care. They're all through now. They're all back there. Yeah, dodging <laughs> bullets. I can't believe you didn't get shot. Now you do have to see it. There was nowhere close. Talking about the same guy that his brother is shooting a missile. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was thinking about the story about one of your relatives shooting you with a shotgun. Shooting me with a shotgun. That, <laughs> that was intentional, by the way. Yeah, that happened. So. That's a whole nother story. We'll tell stories at some other point. What else, what are some of the other myths? Are not they're not myths. They're, they're it's just the education thing that we're talking about. But I I I think I just want to make sure that we're helping people and that we're passing on that you bump that big deer. Don't think that it's over. You know, don't be stupid about it. And and I don't want anyone to think that we don't hunt with the wind. Correct. Oh no, for oh, sure. Oh, we definitely hunt the wind. We well, just... that's what they're saying, though, is that you can't do that. You got to always hunt only like quartering winds and things, to be able to do that. And I'm, I'll tell you, I'm gonna just go and hunt the wind every day. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna try and, you know, run that, that gamble of how close can I get him without him winding me and still get a shot. I'd rather just play the wind and not have to worry about it. So wind is a big factor. The other one is, you know, what we're doing as far as educating them, um, you know, and, and uh, now I will say there can be some education just from us walking in, walking out, that kind of stuff, leaving scent. Um, you know, we do wear rubber boots everywhere we go. I think that helps tremendously. I, I do think the leather boots. There's will, no way that helps with the, with your rear end. Well, yeah, no that's way. valid. But, you probably stink up an entire freaking farm. Well, that's like, I crop dust. You're right. You do educate. <laughs> you know? So it's called crop dusting. And if you crop dust, you he know. purposely educates the entire farm. All the farms that I hunt, they have no issues. They're, all their fields are weed-free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they even have crops growing on with how toxic that crap is. Oh, you don't No walk, pun intended. You don't walk behind me that often, so. Other things, though, that did we want to cover here that we're, we haven't, because I want to make sure that we are covering what everyone was looking for. Um, trying to think of other good ones. You guys been hearing any other My ones? main thing is just their their education level, depending on you, how you're hunting them. Ooh. Oh, yeah, well, we started I thought, the whole I podcast. I thought this though. whole thing was not. What? I thought that was for October Strategies. Oh, okay, we, yeah, we, we can save, save that one. We're going to save that one. We almost gave you guys our, we're, you a know. double. There you go. We gave you a sneak peek for next week. <laughs> yeah. Cause we, but I think we definitely need to do um, the October strategies, and we need to do it fairly soon so we get it out there for people. Because so that it's like out in October. Yeah, that would yeah, make sense. We don't want to put it out in November. Okay. Uh, or at the end of October. <laughs> yeah, it would have made more sense to do it today, but yeah, but I got uh, overruled, so you know. Hey, that, so did I. All right. But October strategies. We stand together. October strategies are going to be. I I do feel like we have some good ones. And I mean, and it's worked. We've killed some good deer in October. Um, I have a, the strategy. You have to go into it with. You have October first. I thought we weren't. We we're going to save this. We are yeah. saving it. He's so just giving them. About? He's just October first to December second or third in Iowa. Second, second. Just hunt every day. That's yeah. the only option you have, and it's probably going to take you to December second if you're anything like me. So. There's your October strategy. It doesn't matter. It's I don't know if you want to listen to someone that it takes <laughs> them every day of the season to kill their deer. That might not be the person that I would want to hang my hat on, just saying. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of agree with him on that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> The great resignation is going to get bigger now. Uh-huh. Everybody's got to quit their job, kill a deer. All That's right, what so I did. 
But what are we looking forward to? I think we can end this with kind of what we're all looking forward to. Tomorrow's the beginning of the season. And so I, Easton's got a big goal on his mind here. I'm looking for a 170-inch deer. Well, I found one, but I'm looking to kill that one. That's a big number. It is a very big number. That's why I picked it because where I hunt, I don't have – I mean, I've got – it's great hunting, but it's not – it's not like I have 170-inch deer running around everywhere. So I've only found one in a matter of four months three, four months. Tomorrow I'm excited, though, for the evening I'm going to hunt that deer, I think, because I've seen him in daylight recently. And then the morning, Joey, take, taking my buddy, uh, Joey, for his first bow hunt ever. So hopefully we'll get him That's a cool. doe in the morning or something. Very cool. What about you? You got anything special for this year? Kill KB? I can't wait till Monday. Why, what's Monday? Then I get a hunt. <laughs> I got a guide this weekend. Oh, yeah. you're. you're I don't know. I don't have too many tickle picklers yet. There's not as many deer yet that really get Didn't you just say in the start of this podcast <laughs> it's a family podcast and you're talking about tickle and pickles? <laughs> well, what kind of pickles are you talking about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you pervert. <laughs> you're the gross I've one. I've never heard that statement before. So. I think you said it backwards. I was gonna, that's what I didn't understand. Pickle and tickles. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> that's what you said. It's more fun to say it that way. You didn't intentionally say it that way. Yeah, I did. Okay. Try to well, do stuff different. I guess for me, I'm going to be – look, I, I mean, there's a chance I could kill a deer tomorrow because I, I do have – they're not big as far as score-wise, um, but we have some five-year-old deer that we definitely need to target and need to get out of. We're, we have let – some deer you pass. can get more than one tag, though. I do, so that helps as long yeah. as I, I get a landowner tag, so I can shoot more than one. But, um, but anyhow, I'll start my doe management program tomorrow, and because we, I'm supposed to shoot 40 does uh, off of the ground that we own, which I don't. I can't. What? Yeah, that's what the state told off me. Off the that, 50 acre piece. Yeah, they Good told me that we night. that Ryan and I need to. Well, between Ryan and I, it was like a hundred. I could see Brian's. I, well, he's got a lot more, but anyhow. 50 acres, man. Last year, I Rambo. think I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I shot nine or ten last you year. You pull a Russia out, get a helicopter and a machine gun, well, get her going. Was, <laughs> there was a couple of days I was down to my pink arrow. I didn't have any more Good arrows Lord. left. Yeah, we, so, we're going to have to three do something for our doe killing comp. Well, yeah, you guys yep. Yep. We need to figure that out real quick. Okay. Well, you guys will have to stay tuned because, like I said, the next time we talk to you, we hopefully the season will have started and started in some capacity that we've launched some arrows. Some people have gotten to launch some arrows this year so far. I have not. I've been antelope hunting and elk hunting, um, and and I guess I do should make kind of a big plug because it was fun. Um, just got to spend ten days in in the Primos hunting camp, and in ten days they <laughs> killed five bulls, and that was cool. And so I did not, I got to hunt just on the end of it. And, um, but I can tell you that it was one of those times where you're glad to be a part of it. It was a lot of fun. Um, some really nice elk and more than that, it was some really good conversation. A lot you go of way back with those boys. Yeah. It, well, you got to thinking about it. It's, it's 20 years, if not 21, we yep. weren't positive on whether what year it was. So 21 years ago, I was calling elk for them and here I was filming them you were doing time. that when i was four yeah really yeah yeah i mean in 2000 let's see what did he tell me i think in 2000 Actually, that have been five 
Yeah, I was, yeah, I was really, oh, I was trying roll. to figure that out. <laughs> All right, well, we'll quit bugging you guys and and you know keep just dragging things out. But um, so anyhow, Easton's kind of let the cat out of the bag, or we both did that. The next podcast that we'll be putting out will be the um, uh, October strategies because we think we got some pretty good ones, and um, maybe we're gonna be against a couple other people's theories on those too because. Um, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be in a tree. I'm not afraid of climbing in a tree, um, early in the season. So it's okay. But anyhow, pancakes by nine. Yeah. Thank you guys for watching. And we hope that you guys will, um, leave a review because the, you have been, and we sure appreciate it. And the reviews have made that we're gaining more viewers, more followers on the podcast. And again, send us your questions. That's where this one came from was, this is kind of a, uh, an extension of one of the podcasts before. So sure appreciate you guys. Hope you guys are getting out there. If you haven't seen uh, that big buck yet, hopefully you will. And get out there, though, whether your season's already started or about to start. Raised hunting's on your side, so send us pictures so we can see what you've done. We love watching what everyone's accomplishing, and I hate to leave it like that. Like I think we should do he is literally to get like, out or to make sure they get out there one more time. No, what I bro? What is the what is the? It's like a it's like Austin Powers. (laughs) What the heck are you talking about? It is it is like when like one of them is when Will Ferrell dies, like just over and over (laughs) for like ten minutes. He's like, "Can somebody help me? Somebody help me!" And you're just over and over and over again. All right, people, here we go. We hope that you guys kill some huge deer this year, whatever deer you want to kill. And this is our Christmas Eve, all right? We're going out in the morning, and we can't wait for next week's podcast. We'll see you later, all right? He's a jackass. (laughs) That got you. It's because I was thinking the same freaking thing.